Thank you so much for listening to this pre-recorded episode of Pub Talk Live. To find out more about Pub Talk Live, including how you can watch live, go to pubtalk.live. Thank you so much to my Patreon podcast sponsors, Brenda Drake and The Shape of a Star podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the August 28th episode of Pub Talk Live, the live publishing talk show airing the second and fourth Saturday of every month at 9 p.m. Eastern. Excuse me. I had drink a soda before this. <laughs> um, I am your host, Sarah Nicholas. I'm a young adult author, a board member, and agent liaison for Pitch Wars, and a library event planner. You can subscribe to Reminders via email by, by clicking the link in the description so you don't miss a show. And if you'd like to support the show, you can find a link to the Patreon near the end of the video description as well. Um, also, I wanted to mention my show, Corey's Qualms and Quirks. It's a podcast that asks published authors to um, share their successful query letters and discuss their journey from first spark to day of publication. So you can find that wherever you listen to podcasts and also on YouTube. Hello, Ray. Um, thanks for joining us. All right. I'm going to introduce today's guest co-host, someone who some of you may be familiar with. <laughs> Lodestar is the human embodiment of Madison Montgomery, Harley Quinn, Janet Maroney, and a true digi contestant, and was born under the inscrutable star sign. Of, I forgot how to say it. Of, I'll have him say it when he gets on. Professionally, he is known as Danny, who works as a professional school counselor and holds a lifelong dedication to media literacy, intersectional advocacy, and making life as fun as can be. He was the first person to become a certified geek therapist. Outside of his mental health work, he's passionate about dance, color guard, winter guard, baton toiling, and being part of the adoption community. He's also the host of the Shape of a Star podcast, which you can find more information about at theshapeofastarpodcast.com. It's also in the description. So please welcome Danny. Hello. Hello. It's Ophucus, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> Thank you. I was like, you just told me how to say this and I can't remember. <laughs> yep. It's Ophucus. Uh, I don't I'm, I don't know if it's right. It's just how I heard it and no one's correct. The thirteenth sign, right? Yeah. It's the one that like people like really write off. They say, oh no, but I'm my sign. But if you actually look up the traits of all the signs when they shifted and added it in, it actually kept your traits with your day. So I mm. lost some of the stuff. I only lost clumsiness and outdoorsiness from Sagittarius. And then I got like the bitter and spiteful part of Scorpio. <laughs> and I was like, perfect. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, but then like Susan Miller doesn't do a horoscope for that. Do you know Susan Miller? I know of, I don't know exactly. I never know what she does oh, in the Susan world. Miller. Yeah. She's a, she writes horoscopes. <laughs> <laughs> and see, that's the other thing, too. I don't mind being an original thing because I'm more special than. <laughs> <laughs> I will never tell you what to identify as. So you can identify as whatever sign you want. But I'm an Ophiuchus. Yeah, I'm pretty hardcore Libra, so. Um, oh, I could see that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's real. All right. Uh, so if you haven't yet voted in today's viewer poll, you should go and do that. It was from Danny today, and it was basically how did you or would you pick a pen name if you needed one? Um, and so, yeah, go check that too. Oh, nice, Ray. Hi, Ray. Um, all right. It's going to be Libra season soon, so everyone get ready. <laughs> all right. So we're going to do, um, if you're new to the show, we do news items and then we interview our special guests, so we'll get to our special guests in a bit, but we're going to start with uh, the past two weeks of publishing news. So I'm in some Facebook groups for booksellers, and they started talking this week about a $5 increase on the Amanda Gorman's upcoming uh, poetry collection. And the book also doubled in size. It went from 120 pages to 240 pages, which explains like the price Twitter. increase. <laughs> yes. Um, but the problem is the booksellers have been taking pre-orders since July uh, at the lower price. And also, I guess I should add that the publisher was pushing them to take pre-orders too, to take advantage of, you know, the moment. Um, and the booksellers hadn't been communicated with that, you know, what would happen with their pre-orders? Would they have to eat the $5 per book cost? That kind of thing. 
So after a couple of days of outcry, Penguin Random House did say that they would honor the lower pre-order price on orders placed before the 25th, which is when the price officially changed. That's like a few days ago. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like it, everyone was really upset for a hot minute. Um, and it looks like they're hopefully going to do right by the publishers. And everyone's going to get twice as much Amanda Gorman as they thought. Woo. <laughs> Victory for the people. For just $5 more. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, next up on the news, Hatchet, which I hope it's spelled, said right. It's like Hatchet, Hatchet. Book publishing has been acquired. Or, mm-hmm. no, okay, they acquired, right? <laughs> I was yeah. like, wait, what? No. No. Okay. okay, so Hatchet Book Group and Workman Publishing announced that they've entered into a bidding commitment for Hatchet to acquire Workman. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah, which is just furthering the consolidation of publishing houses, which is a constant worry for anyone paying attention to publishing these days. So that's fun. Uh, eventually, it's just going to be one big publisher, isn't it? Yeah. Like a couple indies holding holding on, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the Beijing Book Fair announced that it was postponing uh, the event on Tuesday, which was the day before it was set to start <laughs> due to COVID concerns. A new date will be announced later. Um, but obviously, that's not ideal. <laughs> Closing a large book fair the day before yeah a con did a very similar thing i heard oh yeah like it was the night before people were already in the hotel and everything oh my gosh and guests were canceling left and right they're like guys we don't have enough like we're just you're honored for next year have a good weekend yeah yeah um i mean like a lot of cons are having that issue where a lot of people are canceling a lot of guests are canceling voucher con i remember when it was canceled I saw so many announcements uh, of authors being like, sorry, I can't do it. Because it was in New Orleans, of all places. Oh. And um, which is just like a huge COVID hotspot right now. Uh, And yeah, so they canceled it. It was a couple of weeks out, though. So people could make plans at least a day before. I would be so mad. I would already be there. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I would already be there with my friends. Although if it's in New Orleans, I would do the American Story Coven tour. (laughs) The unofficial one is not officialized, (laughs) but like it's 10 bucks to go. They'll take you to all the sites they filmed at. And (laughs) yes, I'm so excited to go one day (laughs) because people dress up. (laughs) But back to the news. Employees at two locations of Greenlight Bookstores and and a stationery store they own have voted to join the retail, wholesale, and department store union. And the owners have chosen to voluntarily recognize the union. Yeah. This is a good time to mention that all the news items that we talk about, I post the links in the description afterwards. So if you want to read more about any of them, um, you can go and do that after the show ends. But one important thing that I learned from this article, Danny, was that the um, employees at the Strand Bookstore have been unionized since the 70s, and they are in the Auto Workers Union. Okay. I don't. How? I I don't understand how that works. The automotive industry and just like as a whole is really getting into like various things. Like I recently found a band competition that is not hosted by the band of the high school. It's hosted by the automotive club. Yes. <laughs> so Man, they just got their fingers everywhere. Who knew the auto workers were supporters of the arts? <laughs> <laughs> not not Greece, maybe? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> this was also my question when I read that. I was like, what is this wrong? No, I I don't know. All right. Anyway. <laughs> So last week, a whole bunch of articles came out saying that Amazon plans to open department stores starting in Ohio and California. Department stores. Did I say department stores? Anyway. I thought you did. The department stores. (laughs) The stores are expected to be about 30,000 square feet. So (sighs) that is about the third of a size of like a normal department store. But it is much bigger than their, um, their other stores that they had opened in New York. And they will sell clothing, home goods, electronics, and other items. Amazon declined to comment on the news, but all the articles are very specific. 
that is a very specific specifications they've announced. Yeah. And oddly enough, I was in Walmart today and Walmart's advertising this new Walmart plus account you can buy for free deliveries. And my mom was like, wait, are they competing against Amazon now? Well, apparently maybe this is why. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if anyone has not read the warehouse by Rob Hart, I need everyone to go read it right now. <laughs> What's um, it about? Pitch it a little. Okay, so it is an economic dystopian in a future where uh, a company that is very much like Amazon, but is not, is um, the sole driver of the economy. So the company is the economy. So everyone who works, works for them. Everyone who purchases goods, purchases goods from them. Um, everyone who creates goods, like invents things, eventually gets not even bought out they just kind of like copy them and they can't do anything about it uh and yeah so the hero uh hero is a strong word the main character <laughs> um gets a job with them in the warehouse and uh actually becomes a security agent and he had invented something that started selling well and so he started selling it on the site much like you know people can sell things on amazon and then amazon uh basically created their own and then underbid him until his company went out of business. Um, and so he starts out wanting to get revenge and does not spoiler, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a dark economic dystopian. <laughs> I was about uh, to say like, once you said the internet and Amazon around, I was like, Oh, this isn't 1984 time period. Yeah, no, it's future. Like the giver. And, and every time there's like a new announcement about Amazon, I'm like, oh, that happened in the warehouse. <laughs> <That's weird. laughs> oh. All right. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Next yeah. up is me. One of the officers involved in the shooting of Breonna Taylor has returned to his book, has returned his book advance and is looking for a new publisher. Simon and Schuster said they wouldn't distribute the book in April. And the publisher, Post Hill Press, said that they had no other way of distributing the book. Yep. So he's looking for another publisher. Does he have an agent? I, you know, the article didn't say. <laughs> That's interesting. It said he was looking at other options, so I'm guessing not. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we have a couple of politically related things. Um, so relatedly, the House of Representatives, if you don't know, has a ban on receiving book advances. So, White House doctor turned congressman Ronnie Jackson, Republican from Texas, signed a book deal for an unnamed book with a $50,000 advance in December, just before he was sworn in, but after he was elected. His publisher mm. is also Post Hill Press. I'm just saying that timing is shady and the fact that they don't even say what the book is about is shady. Yeah. Oh. Yep. Um, so I have another political news before we move on. Another shady politician book deal news. Forbes released an article last week and um, demonstrating that Ted Cruz received a $320,000 advance in 2020. And his campaign spent over $150,000 purchasing his books. His campaign site sells autographed copies of the book in exchange for donations over $77. His campaign also paid for $5,000 worth of Facebook ads to promote the book. That's not that much money, actually, for Facebook ads. <laughs> yeah, but uh, the campaign shouldn't be posting ads. No, that's right. But I was just thinking, I was like, $5,000 isn't a lot. I know a lot of people that use Facebook ads a lot, and they spend like nine, eight thousand yeah. $8,000 a month. Yeah, they so, do. But shady 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 still. yeah there's just so much like cross-dealing and i don't know it's just i mm. <laughs> <laughs> but at least we have freedom of the press and can report it here even though we're not really a news show but hey <laughs> we're safe and last on the news is the vatican has selected their new head vatics their new bleh. okay they named an italian journalist as head vatican publishing head of the Vatican publishing house. Ugh, that was so botched. But yeah, <laughs> I didn't even know that the Vatican had a publishing house. It is, I didn't it, either, but it makes sense. 
It does. It's Italian journalist Lorenzo Fazzini. And he's a 43-year-old guy. And he wants to help talk about modern religion in a quote. And just like how it's an open discussion and not super closed. Like the Latin masses people. I was going to say, you say? You, I want... How many languages do they publish in? That's a great point. I have no clue. They probably publish in a lot of languages. That would be interesting. And yet we didn't know in. they existed. I know. <laughs> well, I'm also not Catholic, so that probably is something to do with it. <laughs> All right. That is the news for the, this past two weeks. Well... All the news fits a print. No, I'm kidding. That's New York Times. Don't sue me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, so we're going to bring on our special guest today. Living only a block away from the library turned Sarah Simpson Weiss into a voracious reader at a very young age. But it was being a library aide in middle and high school that set her on a path that the wonderful world of literature into the wonderful world of literature early on her life. She served as the children's and teens librarian for her hometown library in Iowa until taking a job with Rachel Kane. She's now a virtual assistant specializing in helping authors with their day-to-day -day needs so that they can focus on what is most important, writing. Danny. What? Writing is most important. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Shady. <laughs> uh -huh. Sarah is a self-proclaimed chaos wrangler, bookaholic, and a fan of all things Star Wars. So please welcome Sarah to the show. Hello. Hi. You're muted, hon. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Okay. Thank you guys for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, thank you for coming on. Sorry I had to use your bio to call out Danny, but we we changed him <laughs> around. <laughs> These parts. It's usually about enough. reading, not writing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> no worries. All right. Sarah, can you start with kind of like a rundown of all the different kinds of services that you do for your clients? Um, It really kind of varies uh, from author to author. I have uh, a couple that I mostly just keep their inboxes cleared, uh, keep the most important ones, the things that are still ongoing, where they can find it, update websites and uh, run their social media, uh, newsletters, things like that. Um, and then I have other clients who need more of an administrative assistant. Uh, and I do all of their calendars, itineraries for travel plans. Uh, yeah, just whatever they need. Uh, my favorite part is getting to read the first drafts of books. Uh, with a lot of my authors, I get to read the first draft and the last draft. Mm. Um, I read the first one and they usually ask my opinion. So I feel really honored about that. Uh, and then uh, I do the last pass because I, I'm the one that gets that email from that reader that's like, did you mean to say here H-E-R-E? -E? I mean, I think it should have been here H-E-A-R. <laughs> I will get that email. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to find that typo so that they can email me. <laughs> okay, so I actually have a question about that then. Okay. So I was in seventh grade and I was reading like the Warrior Cats books mm -hmm. and they misspelled Stormfur. They forgot the O in Stormfur. And my teacher was very encouraging, like, hey, you should email the or write a letter to the publishers. They'll send you a fruit basket or a muffin basket. No, we really do. I mean, the publishers get them, the agents get them, the authors get them. Uh, we appreciate like the first one, especially when we don't know that it's there. But it never fails, especially uh, in YA and middle grade. We will have about 100 kids email about the same typo. <laughs> uh, and it, it became a running joke that, like, I responded to more typo emails than anything, like, in the first year of being Rachel's assistant. Uh, and so it kind of became my mission to find the typos and eliminate them before print. <laughs> so... But will yeah. I get the muffin basket? That I can't guarantee. If it comes from the publisher, possibly. Ooh. Fruit basket. That's funny. I've never heard that before. Um, so some of your clients are self-published. Some of them are traditionally published, right? 
Um, actually, all of mine are traditionally published. Uh, Alethea does do some self-publishing, uh, but otherwise, all of mine are traditionally published. Mm, uh, okay. I I don't know a lot about self-publishing. I'm actually learning uh, because I have an author that I'm going to help self-publish some things. So that's kind of a new area that I'm kind of adding to my wheelhouse currently. Uh, but for the last 12 years, I've worked primarily in uh, traditional publishing and primarily in the YA genre. Uh, mm. It's only been over about the last five years that I've really started working in both middle grade and adult. Gotcha. Yeah, I, um, a lot of people don't know this because I don't talk about it a lot, but I was also an author's assistant for a while, but I primarily worked with self-published authors. Okay. Um, because I had self-published and I had worked in a couple different fields in publishing. And so I had a lot of the skills that they needed. Um, and it's, it's cheaper to pay someone realize. by the hour than pay like <laughs> all the time. Absolutely. Time. Nobody realizes how much work goes into self-publishing. I mean, lot. it's, it really it's a lot. And I look at authors like Yasmin Gailnorn, who, uh, publish at least one book a month. And I'm like, how? how do you do all this? Yeah. And then I remember that she has like two or three assistants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I have a question that I don't see on the list. And I kind of want to interject here because it Go ahead. matches. So how does someone get an author assistant? Like, is it through like agent and like publishers or are we like, are you like freelance and I could find you online and be like, Hey, you want to work together? I'm freelance. Uh, there are a lot of authors that are, uh, but a lot of my clients have come to me uh, because of people that I've worked with, either their agent, their publicist, their editor, uh, who they mentioned that, you know, they, they were needing somebody and they're like, oh, I know this girl. And then they call me and it's awesome. <laughs> like that's uh actually that's how i got my star wars author uh claudia gray uh rachel actually recommended me for that job uh and i hit it off really well with her publicist cassie and cassie actually recommended me for my two rick riordan authors that i have wow. so a lot of it uh is kind of word of mouth but i i do have a website that's slightly neglected it's mostly update, but I I don't use it very often. Um, and I, I've had the same pretty much seven, eight clients for the last five plus years. Oh. Uh, so I haven't really been taking on anybody new. Uh, it has to really be a special case. Somebody that I really, really want to work with or a project that really excites me for me to take on any new clients right now because I am just so busy that if, I, if I'm going to add more work, I have to really want to do it. Hmm. I know. Uh, we hooked up at Dragon Con one time mm -hmm. and you were um, helping Alethea with her uh, her thing that she does there and you had you had like all these boxes of like tote bags and giveaways and and stuff like that so sometimes the work is very physical too <laughs> it is uh but it's a lot of fun like i we do princess alethea's traveling sideshow at dragon con every year not this year sadly thanks covid but uh, mm -hmm. otherwise, normally every year, and we do 50 swag bags uh, for the first 50 people that come in. Uh, and it's my job to contact publishers and publicists uh, and get stuff for the swag bag donated. Uh, and then I specifically stay in the Marriott and the very nice bellhops help me bring it all down for a hefty tip uh, so I don't have to carry all of it myself. Uh, but yeah, when I'm at Dragon Con, actually, uh, the year that you saw me, I had three authors that were at Dragon Con that year. Mm. Uh, and so it, it varies. Some years I'm there with only Alethea. Some years I, I can have uh, at least three at Dragon Con. And then I always have at least two at Decatur Book Festival the same weekend. So I spend a lot of time in a lift going back and forth between <laughs> Decatur and uh, the Marriott, the Hyatt, the Hilton. Yeah. All right. Jen has joined us and she said that... Um, the Traveling Sideshow is one of her favorite Dragon Con events every year. We sent to miss it this year. 
I'm really sad we're missing it too, but unfortunately it's it's just still in that weird weird place in the pandemic where we're ready to get back to in-person stuff, but are we ready to get back to in-person <laughs> stuff? Yeah, Florida is like setting new records for deaths. So <laughs> Yep, and that's where Alethea is from. So she yeah. would basically have to drive through all of that just to get to Atlanta, which is has very high COVID numbers right now also. Yeah. So um, all right. So we've talked about kind of some of the different things that you've done for your clients. And I was curious, what is kind of the most interesting or weird or, you know, just different tasks that you've had to do for a client? Anything that's like kind of stands <laughs> out to you? <laughs> Several. Uh <laughs> Uh, Rachel Kane did an event. Uh, she, when she goes overseas for events, she usually does like a whole month of events to make it worth going over there. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so she had done, uh, I want to say England, France, uh, Ireland and Scotland, and then had to head to Sweden. Uh, and she got to the airport in Sweden very, very early in the morning here in, in the States. I don't know what time it was there. And the entire airport was just empty. Like, she did not see any other people. Like, Langoliers kind of situation? Yeah, there was, like, <laughs> nobody. Like, she was definitely freaked out. She called me. She's like, there is no one here. Uh, it's, like, a very small airport. Everybody got off the flight. They all went their ways, and now there's nobody. I'm like, okay. She said, well, uh, the car service for the event that she was doing was supposed to be picking her up, and she had gone down to the baggage claim, got her stuff, and was waiting, and they never showed up. And so her and I are on the phone. She's like, can you figure out where they are? And, uh, I'm trying to use Google Translate, and I'm trying to read Swedish. <laughs> to explain to somebody where my author was so they could find her. And it turns out that even though the airport is very small, it's like a weird shape. And mm. she was on the wrong end. That um, end was um. closed. And so uh, that was kind of stressing. Uh, I've also had to uh, improv check. Uh, when Claudia was doing a checkbook festival uh, over in Prague, uh, she was in her room and the air conditioner broke. And for some reason, she had no cell service, couldn't couldn't get through to the front desk on the regular phone, like was just kind of sitting there. She's like, I don't know what's going on, but nobody's answering the phone. Um, it's really, really hot. I have no cell signal. She's like sending me emails from her computer. I'm like, just, just give me a second. Let me see if I can call them on, you know, their regular number. And then I had to improvise check, uh, to explain to them what was going on. And yeah, thankfully somebody finally went, hold please. And then an English speaker got on and I'm like, yeah. oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm sure I am just massacring your language because I, I don't speak any foreign languages. Uh, We're just like looking up Czech words on Google. <laughs> yep, pretty well. I, I type in what I want to say on Google Translate and then I attempt to read it. Uh -huh. And some of those languages, they don't sound like how they look. No. Not at all. And mm -hmm. so I mangled everything I said and finally somebody took pity on me and handed me over to some poor English speaker after they had had a very good laugh yeah so <laughs> I, I made somebody's day and I managed to get my authors taken care of so I called it a win <laughs> so you made more than one people day I yeah. hope so I hope so <laughs> that that's usually my goal in a day is to make as many people happy as I can so yeah that's a huge like American privilege is almost anywhere we go. There's going to be someone who speaks English. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're really spoiled though. <laughs> yeah. I agree. Um, it's, it's nice yeah. having the Google translate on your phone though. Now, like yeah. it can just, but it doesn't help for phone calls because it can't talk through the phone. Oh for yeah. You. Mm -hmm. So can I, I need that feature? What time of day you were trying to do all this at? Cause there's time um, zones in play now. Yeah, uh, 
the one with Rachel, I know it was very early morning here. So I assume it was, uh, Sweden is about seven hours, eight hours difference from us. Uh, so I believe it was closer to evening for her. Uh, Claudia, it was the middle of the night there. So it was like late afternoon for us. Okay. Because I was just imagining it was like 4 a.m. You're waking up trying to translate Swedish to Google Translate and talking <laughs> and half asleep. <laughs> I, I have done those also. Uh, I've had to get up in the middle of the night because one of my authors was flying out at 5 a.m. Eastern time and there was a flight delay. I mean, I, I work 24 hours a day whenever my authors need me. Uh, if yeah. I can catch a cat nap here and there, if I know <laughs> I have something coming up. Like today, I knew I had this tonight and my husband wanted to work in the yard and tear down a tree. Uh, so I made sure to schedule myself a little two hours where I could just lay down and close my eyes so that I would be coherent for you guys tonight. So a, a lot of my job is just scheduling and, you know, making sure I allow myself enough time to handle everything that needs to be handled when it needs to be handled well all right um danny has a very important cultural question for you okay so when i heard what you do i was like oh my god okay so in the devil wears prada andy mm -hmm. gets the unpublished manuscript of the harry potter novel for like miranda Priestley's kids to read mm -hmm. as someone who works in the industry and was actually the leak in the scenario like someone's assistant had it Mm -hmm. How much of reaction does that generate within you <laughs> in your being that if that could happen to you? Um, like well, first of all, I get a lot of manuscripts uh, that are nowhere near being published. Uh, some of them are debut authors uh, and some of them are, are names that I, I am not even allowed to say that I've read their <laughs> manuscript. Uh, that's really hard. Like, I've never come across, like, most everybody I know that's in my position, we hoard that stuff like gold. I mean, I you won't even see on Twitter where sometimes I won't even tell you what I'm reading. I'm just reacting like, oh, my God, I read this book. And everybody's like, what book? And I'm like, I can't tell you. I'm sorry. <laughs> I cannot say any more. Please don't ask me. Uh, and so learning how to keep secrets, uh, which is not my strong suit uh thank god for ndas there's there's no possible way i could spill a secret it's awesome <laughs> i'm like but uh-oh did she oh, freeze no. yeah but it was a dramatic sure was noise me. though i know <laughs> i'll wait a minute and see if she comes back yeah when i saw your question daniel was like thinking back on it why didn't What's her name? Miranda, right? Is the editor? Yeah. I was like, why didn't she just reach out to one of her powerful friends? Surely they had right, like <laughs> some sort of access. I don't. Well, then again, it was the whole test to prove if Andy was right. like after the failure yeah. of not getting the National Guard, which is something I was going to say when uh, Sarah was talking about like I had to pull miracles. I was like, oh my god, did you call the National Guard to like fly <laughs> someone out? <laughs> I was like, no, that'll spoil the reference here. But I'm gonna check my email to make sure I see if she emailed me. Um, well, while that happens, hi, people, hi, pubbers. <laughs> I see oh, it looks like she late. left, so hopefully, she'll be coming back. Um, so also, I've never been to Dragon Con. Is there really this much writing stuff happening at Dragon Con? Yeah, well, there's like a writing track, and then there's um, oh, Sarah's back. There are a whole bunch of authors. Hello. <laughs> Sorry, guys, my computer crashed and I had to switch to oh, my phone no. real quick. I, I thought it died, so I started screaming for my husband to bring me a, a, the charger up. <laughs> and it's not dead. It just, for some reason, shut off and will not turn back on. Oh, my gosh. Oh, no. <laughs> now I'm on my phone. Sorry. All right. You're good. <laughs> we were just talking about Dragon Con, and Danny didn't realize that there was so much author stuff going on at Dragon Con. Oh, they have an amazing, amazing array of authors that come. Uh, this mm -hmm. year, I'm excited to see Charlene Harris. Uh, she's somebody I've known since I started in this industry, so it's always great to see her. Uh, and I'm a huge uh, Patricia Briggs fan. Mm, yeah, she comes. 
Yeah, I've met Patty so many times, but I have not seen her in probably five years now. So I'm really excited to get to see her. Uh, their urban fantasy track is is one of my yeah. favorite tracks. That's where I spend most of my time when I go there. Um, as an author and also just as an attendee, I've been on several urban fantasy. So they'll have like the urban fantasy track, for example, Danny and anyone else who's interested, they'll have panels related to the show. So they'll have like, you know, with the actors or whatever in the big rooms, but then in the smaller room, they'll also have, they have fan panels. So I've been on like a Winona art fan panel. I've been on, a, um, what else? I've been on several fan panels and then they'll also have author panels. So authors who write urban fantasy. So it's just kind of like all media. Um, and then they have a whole writer track where they do like writing workshops, whereas the other ones are more like, you know, for readers rather than writers. This is and fascinating. I wouldn't think that the book signings would be as big as they are. You know, you would think the celebrities are the draw, but a lot of these authors, I mean, I've seen Sherilyn Kenyon and Jim Butcher mm. have lines just down the hall, round the corner, down the hall again. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime there's like a big name author on one of the panels, it, they need a bigger room sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Because everyone I know that goes to the Dragon Con is like cosplayers because it's one of like the big like oh, tech yeah. of the cosplays. Like yeah. Katsukan's kind of like where the quote show worthy cosplays go but dragon cons where you show your technology in your cosplay is the rumors <laughs> i've been told so i always thought it was just like another cosplayer thing but now that i know it's writing someone might take a you can do both here. you can be, oh, the do cosplaying both cosplaying is is top notch at dragon con mm -hmm. top notch it is some of my favorite and i mean you can pick a spot you know in a hotel lobby uh pretty much anywhere and just watch them go by and some of these people work from the moment the last dragon con gets over to the next one mm -hmm. on their costumes and it shows i mean yeah i often just i often just at night just like lean up against the wall for like an hour and just watch <laughs> people go by <laughs> absolutely absolutely um all right let's get back to our questions let's oh, yeah. see um, <laughs> Sarah, what is kind of the biggest thing that you feel like people misunderstand about what you do? Like if someone talks to you, um, do, do are there any like common misunderstandings or misrepresentations? Um, not really with what I do. Um, I have a problem at home. Uh, they didn't interview with me my my first ever interview a few years ago for the local paper because the the lady working there thought it was really interesting you know she was a, a big ya book lover too i uh, read most of my authors uh and so i agreed to do the interview and for about a month after it was published every house mom in our town would say oh i read that article that's very interesting. You should hook me up with some authors because I could do that. Mm -hmm. And yeah, nothing kind of makes you feel great. Like everybody and their brother saying, oh, I could do your job. Yeah. Mm -hmm. With absolutely no idea what exactly it is that I even do. I mean, I think a lot of them just think I sit here and read books. Uh, and I do <laughs> so much more than that in a day. Uh that, yeah, it's it's really disheartening mm -hmm. to have people say that. And unfortunately, it's something that gets said to me a lot when I'm home. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you're in good company, though, because authors get told all the time, like, oh, I could write books <laughs> if I had some time. Right? Yeah. That, yeah. Unfortunately, it's kind of uh, par for the course in yeah. our profession that, everybody uh kind of thinks that they they have what it takes when you know i i welcome them to try absolutely <laughs> if anybody wants to come and do my job for a day and i will just lay in the bubble bath with a book <laughs> like i will be glad to watch you run around like a chicken with your head cut off is this you opening applications for an intern <laughs> i there are days where i need one <laughs> there are absolutely days when I need one. Uh, I've had times when I had two authors release a book 
on the same day. Mm. And oh. so I'm doing double duty, uh, getting through release week. And yeah, I my husband is really good at looking at me at five o'clock and saying, have you eaten any food today? And I'm like, no, <laughs> and I forgot lunch. And it's only like noon. And he's like, no, it's five. I'm home from mm. work now. <laughs> like, oh. okay sorry yeah um well actually speaking of that if someone is seriously wanting to become an author's assistant do you have any tips or advice for them i my biggest advice for another assistant is just be very very tedious you know double check everything cross your t's and dot your i's um the entire purpose of an author assistant is to make the author's life easier, to clear the things out of the way so that they can focus on writing the book, so they can focus on revisions, uh, whatever it is they need to focus on, getting ready to go, you know, do a live event. Uh, they don't need to be stressed out by the little things. Uh, and if you accidentally put one wrong number in their confirmation they can't check into their plane you know and it just causes them undue stress so just just be very very anal retentive i guess mm -hmm. and yeah. make sure you have all your ducks in a row because they're relying on you to have your ducks in a row yeah, definitely. As someone who had to do three hours of extra work this week because an author misspelled their own name. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And deadline brain is a thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it really is a thing. Uh, people see authors talk about it and they're like, oh, they're making excuses again for why they're not writing or why they're not doing that. <laughs> no, literally, they've lived in another galaxy, in another plane of existence for the last three months writing that book revising that book i mean and you you want to ask them what day it is no they're not gonna get that right <laughs> we're, we're lucky if they're in the same year as us sometimes you know uh i i love claudia but there are days when you know she she's in her star wars book we are light years away you know and trying to bring her back down to earth and be like okay we we have to do an interview you know, one of the things that works for us is, is I kind of counter down and I text her at two, I text her at one, you know, and it's just kind of that helps you reset your brain and pull out of the world you're currently living in and back into ours, you know, and it's, it's astounding. I would love to live for a day in my author's brains. Like, I think they're just fascinating and I would love to just walk through those stories so I can't imagine having to turn that off at a moment's notice and all of a sudden be on for an interview or be on for an event or switch modes into publicity mode even. I mean, when you're in that creative zone, pulling out of that is hard. <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer asked, um, how do you prioritize what you do throughout your day? Do you kind of do all social media at once and then all marketing or do you do per client? How do you manage your time? Um, I manage my time with uh, uh, to do. I have an app called to do. It took over Wonderlist. Wonderlist was like my Bible. If it wasn't in Wonderlist, it wasn't getting done. Uh, it's how I keep track of the priorities. Uh, like if, if we have something that particularly has to be turned in this week, that's at the top of the priority list, making sure that her schedule is cleared so she can get to that, you know, get that off our plate. Um, otherwise, I mean, I, I just kind of have, I don't know, I just kind of get up every morning and you know how when you have multiple Google emails, like there's a list? Yep. I go down the list. And mm -hmm. I start in the first one and I check their emails. And if there's something to be handled there, I handle it. And I go on to the next one till I'm at the bottom. Uh, and then I kind of go through, I have a daily list of chores and tasks that I kind of go through. And I start that after I check any new stuff that came in. Uh, 
and if there's any priority stuff, uh, I usually have an alarm that that's the first thing I do for the day before I start the list of emails. So it just kind of, it varies day to day. I, I don't ever have a day that looks exactly like yesterday. Hmm. All right. Danny has another very important cultural question for you. Okay. So I'm known as the person that like finds out all the people's like personal interests in lives. So <laughs> What is your favorite Hallmark movie or show? Um, okay, so I'm a huge Hallmark Christmas fan. Like, insane. Absolutely Me too. Insane. But that answer would have been totally different if it would have been before this past Christmas. But right now, my current favorite Christmas Hallmark movie is The Christmas House. It is the first Hallmark movie to feature an LGBTQ couple. Uh, I also liked uh, the one Wedding Every Weekend that had the first lesbian kiss. Uh, I've been a Hallmark girl my entire life, but I never thought I would see that kind of representation on Hallmark. Uh, I'm, I'm pan... My my daughter is lesbian. Uh, my youngest is non-binary. Uh, so to see ourselves on the Hallmark Channel was oh my god! I cried like <laughs> I I cried. I'm not gonna lie. I never thought I would get to that day. And so Alethea and I actually uh, live tweeted all of the Christmas house uh, house, and we started having the actors chime in and like. The mom was retweeting everything that we were tweeting and like <laughs> freaking out. And yeah, that's currently my my favorite Hallmark movie right now. Nice. Yeah, I, um, I just finished Winona Earp. I'm like similar. I don't know if if anyone knows how it ends, but um, I just like sobbed my way through the last two episodes. <laughs> See, I need to watch the last season. Uh, I was current until this past season and then I yeah. decided instead of trying to catch them on TV, uh, I was going to wait for it to come on Netflix so I could yeah, that's what I did. the whole season because yeah. I need to know. Uh, but I've been prepping for Dragon Con and it just came out like this week on Netflix <laughs> and I have not had time. And so during my my staycation at Dragon Con mm. next week, I'm going to watch it. I'll <laughs> be a good time for it. Yeah. Um, I also have to ask, have you been to the the Hallmark Con that they do? I have Christmas not. Con? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, so Raquel Henry, who's been on the show before, who lives near me, she's a huge Hallmark fan as well. And she mm-hmm. went to the Hallmark Con, uh, Christmas Con. And I'm like, that just seems like such a joyful place. Right? <laughs> I agree. Right. It's a bucket list thing I want to do, uh, but I have never been. Mm-hmm. They also sponsor 90s con. Oh, yeah. Really? Which makes sense why Lacey Chabert was at both now. Yeah. True. True. She's <laughs> a big Hallmark girl. All right. So, our last question for you is the question I ask every guest on the show What is the most important book you've read and why? That's a really hard question. Does ever does anybody ever just say no? I'm not going to answer that because that's really hard. <laughs> no. um, I actually i I have three. Funny enough, they they, <laughs> okay. they are completely equally important for different reasons. Um, so I fell in love with a book called The Witches of Hop- Hopper Street by Linda Gondosh when I was in elementary school, and that is the book that made me a reader um i read that book religiously once a month through all of elementary school and i actually went back to my elementary school when my oldest daughter started and looked and it was still in the library and my childhood librarian still worked there and i was like hey can i check this out and she looked into the they still have the card thing inside that you stamp oh wow and she's like, nobody has checked out this book since you in 1987. <laughs> and they haven't weeded it? <laughs> How about I just give it to you? And I was like, wow. really? And so I have that downstairs. I literally have my childhood copy of The Witches of Hopper Street. Uh, <laughs> and then after high school, I kind of, I lost my love of reading for a while. Uh, and then I discovered Charles DeLint's The Blue Girl. And it it won like a world 
Sci-Fi Fantasy Award. Uh, and that was the book that brought me back to reading uh, and made me realize I really just want to read books for the rest of my life. Like that's that's what I want to do for a living. And I ended up getting the job at my local library as a children and teens librarian. Uh, and I got sick with the flu. My husband and I were sick for two weeks. We had read everything that was in our house. <laughs> and my poor library director did not want to run any books to my house because she didn't want to catch anything. And she honestly had been stuffing books in my mailbox like all week and just could not bring me anymore. And so I pirated a book series. Uh, one of the only times I have ever pirated a, a book series. It was the first five books in the series. And that was The Morganville Vampires by Rachel oh. King. Uh, and I fell in love with Morganville uh, and it made me reach out to her to see if she would want to do a signing at my local library uh, and I didn't actually expect her to respond and she did and was like you know I can't really come to another state for one library but maybe if if some other places in your area were interested and so I set up a, a book tour of Iowa for her uh, we did six book, six different libraries and schools uh, and traveled together for about a week and really hit it off. And that's how I became her assistant. Oh. Uh, and it all of that kind of snowballed into now I have eight New York Times bestselling authors that I work with. Uh, I, I work with Lucasfilms. I work with Disney. Uh, childhood me would like just be over the moon to know all this. <laughs> like, star yeah. as my bio says, all things Star Wars. My wedding was Star Wars. My my life is is Star Wars. <laughs> and so the fact that I get to work with Lucasfilms, I get to go to Star Wars Celebration. Uh, it's it's been a dream come true, and I couldn't have done that any of it without those three books mm -hmm. um i remember one time i uh was up for an award it was just like one of those blog awards you know there's like there were so many back then especially bloggers would run awards right and i was up against rachel kane for best zombie book oh nice against the revivalist series yeah and um, I was like, well, that's it. I'm not winning this. And I actually won. And I was like, no. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, Sarah, thank you so much for coming on and sharing thank your experience you with us. Me. Yeah, it's been a great conversation. It has. Um, yeah. All right. Thank you, Sarah. We're going to say goodbye and finish up the show. And we'll see you later. All right. That was fun. It was. Yeah. Oh, I learned so much. <laughs> Although I will say, I think she might have been the first person to have an answer, like ready to go. <laughs> um, all right. It is time for audiobook of the week. So I have one and Danny has a book of the week. <laughs> so mine is Firekeeper's Daughter by Angeline Bully, um, narrated by Isabella Star LeBlanc. And it is about an 18-year-old Ojibwe girl who witnesses the murder of her friend and becomes embroiled in an FBI undercover investigation to figure out who is trying to destroy her community. Um, and so Angeline Bully was actually on my podcast uh, a while back, and I had not read her book yet. <laughs> and so I um, requested it from the library, and I listened to it, and it was super fun. I also, I think a lot of people think because of this cover that it is um, fantasy and it's not, it's contemporary. Um, and that was the audiobook of the week, the last episode too, Inheritance Games. A lot of people thought the book was fantasy because of the cover as well. So um, two audiobooks of the week in a row now are contemporaries that people thought are fantasy because of the covers, which is a weird theme, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, it was really fun. And the narration was really good. And um there's like some quite serious themes in it as well. So it was a, it was a good read. All right. And Danny's uh, book is gods and monsters by Shelby Marin. I hope I said your name right. But so this is the spellbinding conclusion to the New York times and indie bound bestselling trilogy serpent and dove, which is basically a French take on witches. And she falls in love with the witch hunter and 
everything galore. It's all the things that I loved reading growing up. So I would say people that opposites attract, <laughs> Twilight people, <laughs> all my Twihards out there with me, like, here we go. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jennifer's here and Jennifer is one of the biggest Twihards I know. So Maharin. <laughs> oh, Thank okay. You, Laura. Nice, Laura. All right. Cool. So those are your books of the week. And now we're going to discuss the viewer poll. So the question was, how did you decide on a pen name or how would you choose a pen name? So let's see. I'm going to switch to my other window so I can see that a little bit better. Um, we have 44% of people said they chose names similar to theirs. So this could be like, like mine, Sarah Nicholas is, um, my middle name is Nicole. So that's where Nicholas comes from. So, um, or people who use their uh, maiden name instead of their married name, stuff like that. 15% um, chose or would choose one with cultural significance. And 31% said they chose it kind of randomly or they just liked the name. And then we have 9% who said other. A lot of those others were actually people who said maiden name, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but it's like, it's really hard to, you only have like 25 characters for these polls. So it's really hard to get through them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we said, um, I made up something with the first letter of the first name, same as my own. So I had time to space when signing, which I think is amazing. <laughs> that's a really good idea. Cause like, you're so used to signing, you know, that big first letter. And so you get, you get a second to like adjust mid name, um, a nickname. Some people talked about, they were using, oh, grandmother's names, Rachel Hartman, who's been on the show before. And it's one of my favorite authors. Shout out. Um, <laughs> let's see a play on my IRL internet identity um, my first and middle initials and my dad's middle name I'd pick one significant to me that also sounded good with my genre which is what I did for my author my romance author pen name it's Aria Kane um, and basically at the time they were saying that romance names had that had a um what was it it was like a romantic sounding first name and a strong anglo-saxon last name were picked up more than other authors huh. uh, and so that was kind of my template i'd always loved the name aria so i chose that and then um my favorite name ever is kian which we talked about i think on your podcast yeah um yeah <laughs> And and I knew Kian would be misspelled and mispronounced all the time, so I chose Kane, which is like a, a version of it. I love this one. I picked yes. the name because my IRL name is Amanda Hunt, and if I were writing romance novels, I might use it because it sounds like a man to hunt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um, an online creative handle. Let's see. First name and grandma's maiden name. A lot of people using grandparents' names. First and middle name. Hyphenated maiden surnames. Maiden name. Yeah. So, cool. Yeah. Thank you for sharing, everyone. And Danny has been trying to choose a pen name for as long as I've known him. Years. So, hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> hopefully that will help. <laughs> it's ongoing. It's forever. And it's not a moment, but life. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I chose a last name finally but now I'm thinking oh. of the first part alright <laughs> we can talk about that later yeah. alright thank you everyone for joining us Danny thank you so much for joining us I'm going to say goodbye to you so I can do the closing and thank you Danny for um, jumping in and being so willing to co-host <laughs> oh anytime hi All Puppers right. bye <laughs> right, bye Danny all right. Thank you everyone so much for watching, whether you're watching live or watching the replay or listening on the podcast. Appreciate you. However you're here. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to like and subscribe so you don't miss another episode and tell your friends because that's how they find out about things like this. You can also subscribe via email uh, via the link in the description, as well as the Patreon in the link in the description. The social media and website info for our guests is also in the description. So check that out and you can find the link to Danny's um, podcast as well, as well as Sarah's uh, website for her, her um, author assistant work. Uh, let's see, what do we have coming up? We have Wednesday write-ins are continuing every Wednesday at 8 p.m. 
Eastern, come and join us and get some work done. Uh, Corey's Qualms and Quirks is posted every Thursday. It's a podcast, but it's also available on YouTube. And um, I think that's it for now. And thank you, everyone. Everyone stay safe, wash your hands, wear a mask, and we'll see you next time. Bye, y'all. If you're enjoying this show, please check out my other podcast, Queries, Qualms, and Quirks. Queries, Qualms, and Quirks asks published authors to share their successful query letter and discuss their journey from first spark to day of publication. I interview authors of all genres about how they got started writing, getting their book deal, and their experiences with publication. Search for it on your favorite podcast app.